Nick Dar here getting ready to shoot uh, another episode of Business Over Brew, which wouldn't be possible if not for our great sponsors at Roberts Motors. Uh, you know the Roberts Motors name. They've been around since 1949. Uh, definitely a name that means quality. We certainly appreciate their support of not only this show, but all they do for the community. You talk about a local business that gets it in terms of supporting great community causes and just being involved in the community. The guys at Roberts Motors, Sam, John, the rest of the crew there, they really understand what it means to be a good business citizen in the community, and they've done that for a lot of years. Uh, if you're in the market for a vehicle, you, you know the, the car industry has been a little upside down lately in terms of inventory. Uh, they're starting to get more and more vehicles on the lot. Uh, starting to see some new Broncos out there, so go check that out. A little more pre-owned inventory as well. They're certainly always in the market to uh, give you a great deal if you're looking to sell your vehicle as well. Now's a great time to do that. And maybe something we don't talk about enough is just a, a really great uh, top-notch service center at Roberts Motors. Uh, if you need work done in your car, you need tires, oil change, any kind of service work, uh, Roberts Motors is really a terrific place to consider um, and they would just appreciate the opportunity to do business with you, whether it's buying a vehicle, uh, buying your vehicle from you, or getting some work done to your vehicle. Check out Roberts Motors uh, on Albee Street in Alton or at robertsmotors.com. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I just got loud. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Business Over Brew, where we talk business with local business people, influential leaders in the business community. Pleased to be joined on this episode by Keith Warfield with Tech River Consulting. Keith, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit. First of all, we'll just start with tell us about Tech River and how we got started and yeah. what you guys do. Uh, so Tech River, we just started this year. So perfect year to start a new business during a pandemic. and uh, But really was just kind of birthed out of years of doing IT work. Did a lot of it on the side. Always had a full-time job. And, and actually to really kind of wind back um wind back the the tape all the way um took classes in college for computers uh once it became an assignment i was like you know i really don't know that i like work with computers when i have deadlines and have to it was kind of more fun and right. so i actually switched to graphic design courses so to graphic design web design started by building a business that did websites for people in graphic design so worked with a lot of small businesses did a lot of logos a lot of website design and um as they found out what my skill set was that would ultimately kind of morph into me end up being more their IT person than their graphic designer. Um, so been I've had a small business on the side for about 13 years. And so just slowly that kind of grew and grew and grew and took over my day to day to the point where I was able to step away from my full-time job, uh, started Tech River with a couple partners and, uh, and just it's really taken off and grown from there. Been a great thing. Patrick King, one of those partners, Will yeah. Miller too. Patrick's been on the show before and I know uh, those guys, I, I think it kind of started because they were just really impressed by the work you had done for them. Yeah, absolutely. So connected with them, they were had a new building in Alton and came in. We actually built out their whole network infrastructure and took care of the, the new building at the bank. And um, after that work was done, still kind of just maintained a friendship with them. We'd talk occasionally. And so Will would joke with me. And a couple of times he had said, hey, uh, you know, if it ever doesn't work out wherever you're at or something, just show up. And we'll figure it out. And so his big joke now he likes to say is, you know, hey, like I challenged Keith to just show up one day and he did. <laughs> and uh, there's a little bit more to it than that. But uh, but kind of so in a nutshell, you know, I kind of saw the potential at my current job. It, it looked like my position was kind of coming to a close. And um, I talked with the owners there. So And at the same time, had enough side work lined up with my side jobs. Um, one of my clients, he actually had me. I was backlogged about two months with him. So I was looking at it going, well, I could step away. And actually, for two months, if I don't find another job, I can stay busy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seemed like a real palatable 
time to do that. Uh, so big jump, scary jump, especially with uh, with a wife and six kids. Um, and so that's where Patrick and Will kind of fit in. We started talking and they said, well, hey, like, what's well, coming along for the journey? We'd love to be a part of an IT company. Um, and so we started talking about what that looked like, what a partnership would look like. And uh, and just went from there. So I ended up, I left my job for a few months. I did things on my own while we kind of got all the pieces of the puzzle in place. And then in March, we launched and hit the ground running. And um, there was ups and downs, a little bit of slow time in the beginning, but that helps you get your company, you know, kind of structure put in place off on the right foot. And uh, really for the last couple of months, there hasn't, it's been exactly what we'd hoped it'd be really, you know, it's, it's growing. We now have a person who's helping full-time on staff, getting the jobs done and, um, and not, you know, we're scheduling a week to two weeks out. So not ideal for customers, but ideal for us that allowed us to bring the employee on and, and really just our aggressiveness with going after, as we saw a niche in the market, you know, there's, um, there's no shortage of trade people. Well, I guess that's not true. <laughs> there is a shortage of trade people, but there's no shortage of companies out there to do the work. Um, when you fit in their schedule, how you fit in their schedule, and then where you fit under their pyramid of how they take care of customers is what varies. And so what we started seeing a trend in especially IT and other trade work was that the bigger companies tend to get priority. They get preference, they get priority because they have the bigger jobs they have. And so we just have a little bit different vantage point on that where we look at it that um, I would love to do all of your small to medium sized business work because you may not have the big jobs, but I want to build a relationship. So, so our goal is to get in with these people to actually know our clients, know our customers, help them out and then be in a situation where we can do their work for them, fair pricing, but also give them preferential treatment where, Hey, if you call, we're going to answer the phone. You may not be able to get out there the same day, but, but people don't, I don't think people always expect you to get out there the same day, right? It's sometimes it's okay if you don't get there that day, but they do want in the person that's in the line to pick up the phone and say, Hey, we're here. We heard your concern. We don't have somebody today, but we will get out there tomorrow. And what we hear time and time again, we'll talk with new customers and we'll say, well, the previous company just wasn't responsive. And I'll always ask them to define that. I'll say, you know, what, what do you mean by responsive? Do you mean that they couldn't get out to you within two to three days? Or do you mean that they just didn't answer your calls, didn't answer your emails, didn't answer your text? Uh, inevitably, like 90% of the time, the answer is, hey, they, they don't answer our calls. They don't, we'll email them. We hear nothing back. I and mean, it's not even an emergency. It's just a, hey, can you get us on that and nothing? Um, so that's been our structures. We're just, we're going to try to give people good customer service, get back to what business is about, good customer service. Um, I'm not afraid to answer the call, even if I know I can't get to that person that day. I'm going to pick it up, mm-hmm. be a voice on the other line and say, hey, uh, can't do it today, can't do it tomorrow, but we, we got you. We're going to take care of you. Um, so that's been the model. That's what we're aggressively going after, just being present, building relationship, looking more as a business partnerships instead of just clients. I, I, you get frustrated as a consumer sometimes because you think, I understand you can't do the work, but it's not hard to communicate right. that you can't do the work right. or that you it's going to be a while or, right. or whatever. So it sounds like that's uh, an area where you guys are focusing attention on. Focusing big time. And I think it really, you know, for me, it just comes up to discipline and leadership, right? Like, I get it. I, I, I've been that person on the other side of the phone where you don't want to answer it because you know you can't give the person the answer they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it's just you got to put your... Uh, you know what they call your big boy shoes, your yeah, right. uh, big boy pants, your your big boy pants. Shoes uh, too, I guess. Yeah, put your big boy shoes on, put your big boy pants, and uh, and just answer the phone and communicate with people. You're not always going to have the answer they want. That's okay. I think sometimes we're so afraid that because we don't have the answer they want 
uh, we're, and we're missing that opportunity because in all actuality, they're okay if we don't have the answer they want. They just want an answer. They want a real person on the phone. They don't want another automated voice system answering, the, you know, and those are great. Automated, you know, we put in IP phones. Automated tenants are great. Uh, if you can pick it up and you can dial a number and still get to a physical person. Right. Uh, but people want to talk to people. Right. Uh, you got all this technology, Facebook, social media, all these things. You can sit behind keyboards and communicate all day. But at the end of the day, I think your average, especially your average business owner who tends to be aggressive, a go-getter, entrepreneur, especially the mom and pop or small to medium business like we are, uh, they just want a real voice, real face on the line that's going to answer and just be honest with them. Um, and so, yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're going for. When you talk about that niche, is that when you guys were selecting that determined mostly by size in terms of number of employees or how did you go about selecting um, I think the real selection came from, honestly, I'll give some credit to the last company I worked for. Um, you know, that was their kind of, they launched, they started a company. Um, they saw that same niche in the market that, hey, just people aren't getting back with people. People aren't treating, their big one was just people aren't treating people fair. Um, you know, they, they go out, they take care of them. They're out for that one job and done. And so they would rather make more on that job than treat them fairly, build a relationship and keep that relationship going long term. And so they really carved out a niche in the market where um, they were being, you know, just fair to people, bending over backwards, building relationships. And uh, so that company, I don't know, it's probably seven or eight years old now, but in seven or eight years, it went from uh, two partners starting it to when I left, there was almost 30 employees. Um, So it just grew exponentially in just a short amount of time just because it was just that that grassroots of taking care of people. That company did very, um, I shouldn't say this right, very little advertising. Um, (laughs) But but they're advertising in the get-go. Because you're a new company, right. you're starting up, you're trying, you know, I just got a phone call today from a guy and, and he said, hey, I'm with such and such, I'm putting this out. And I said, man, I, tell me more about it. And he, he told me something about it. It's not like a neat little thing. It's just a little, they help some kids with reading and I, I don't know. But so I said, hey, I tell you what, new company, not a lot of discretionary funds for advertising right now. Um, and, and some of my funds are already committed and or I'm in the talks with someone right now. To, to do some advertising at the big Z. And uh, so we're in talks. Yeah. In talks. <laughs> and we're going to figure this out. Right. So, um, but I told him, I said, Hey, but you know, don't forget about me. Like, don't just mark me off. Like circle back with me next year. Right. Because maybe we'll have some <laughs> funds next year. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing where I don't mind, I don't mind having a conversation or talking to people. You get the robocalls so many times, you just get frustrated. And I'm, Guilty that I'll hang up on them, you know, but, but this was a, a genuine, it was local business trying to reach out, trying to help people. I'm all for that. Uh, anything that's going to help local, help people give them a shot. Um, I think it's, it's good stuff. So it's amazing though to me, uh, as a business owner, we try to give most of the time when we're asked. Um, but it, I'm, I'm somewhat amazed at, at how many times that that individual doesn't circle back with me. Right. And doesn't say, hey, you sponsored our golf tournament last year. Do you want to do it again yeah. this year? I, you know, a, a lot of times I don't get those call backs. It's like, well, and so it's funny it story. So you don't even know where this phone call went today. So, so he said, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, that's no problem. But then his next step in the process was trying to let himself off the hook for following up. In my, in my opinion, so we'll see what happens. But right, he said, yeah. hey, I tell you what, if you give me your email, I'll email you the information. He said, it sounds like you're a little bit interested. Why don't I email you the information for this year? Or if you want, I can call you back next year. So I'll give you my email. Go and send it over. And so to me, that just told me, like, I don't think I'm going to call back from him next year. 
he's going to send the email over. You're going to look at it once and you're probably not going to. And he probably thought I was feeding him a line of crap, you know, but I was genuine and like, hey, call me back next year if it's local and if it's something with Alton, Godfrey, Bethalt, like I'm going to jump in and put my shoulder to the plow because that's our business is kind of stapled up here and whatever we can do to help get our name out and and also just create a good camaraderie in the community of like, hey, Tech River's not afraid to put the shoulder to the plow, jump in, help out where needed. Um, that's I want to I want to touch on all the services that you provide and what IT entails because it can mean a lot of different things I think um, but let's back it up a little bit just was you know computers is something you always had an interest in growing up or when did that, yeah that so come about? Uh, weird checkered past of uh, a lot of things I say checkered it wasn't sketchy but um, <laughs> just multifaceted I guess so my grandpa's in the construction industry so I was around him a lot and kind of had a fascination with just how things were built how things were put together that's kind of all always how my brain worked my dad worked for the phone company for years actually retired from the phone company he did a lot of work with pay phones and the the lines for poles a lot of pole climbing Uh, but from that my dad also had a kind of fascination in the same way so you know grew up when there wasn't computers and then you had your original apples um and so then as the first i remember as the first personal computer started to come out where you could actually afford one and put one in your house with, with windows 3.1 and uh, and no internet and so my dad got one. we had commodore 64 before that and, and i remember my dad would even get us uh these magazines did you ever have a commodore 64 i think i had a tandy of, okay i yeah. think was what i had maybe yeah. i don't know what they made but that's that was our first computer yeah i remember yeah so like this gigantic box that had like no memory to it whatsoever just a basic operating system that was similar to dos gigantic floppy drive the actual five inch one not the you know the hard floppy just sooner later i missed those and uh, yeah and so he would get us these magazines and in the magazines i remember like you go through and like oh if you want to play a volleyball game with stick figures uh and you had no idea what the game looked like you know because it's just a magazine he was like just type the code for the next take you like 17 yeah. hours to type in all the code yeah and then these stick figures will play volleyball yeah, for like just, three seconds. as long as you don't <laughs> mistype one digit in right. 10 pages of code yeah. so he's like yeah just type the next 10 pages of code into a file and you're playing and so yeah so me and my brothers would sit there we take turns like one would do a page and the next would do a pad two older brothers and so we type this <laughs> in and then if you messed up you're going back yeah. trying to scan the code to find out where there is and so yeah. yeah so that was kind of where it started commodore 64 we got the first home pc and my dad was just the type where uh you know they, they were affordable but also always looking like hey can we make this computer better without having to buy a new one so we go to computer shows we used to have them at the collinsville convention center and uh we go to computer shows and buy more memory and buy better hard drives and we we're constantly building flexing our computers doing different stuff and so kind of grew up with that just around my dad which was my fascination i loved um my dad's a very quiet guy you know we had to find things to do together to spend time together it's like blues going to blues games working on a computer that was kind of our connection points and so that was why i think i hit college and i was like oh here's this assignment you have to do this it's like well it's just lost it's fun i'm not right. not doing it with dad and i'm not and so i just kind of took a different segue there ended up coming back and still taking computer courses and in a lot of graphics i know the classes they kind of overlap too but um and then not long after that, got into a lot of networking, which is a lot of what we do a lot of networking as far as like access points, data cabling, building out networks with different VLANs so people can have the guest network. And big concern right now is Internet of Things, having all these extra devices, your smart TV, especially in a business setting. You want to separate those out and not put them on your main network. So kind of got into a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, so just this this kind of progression from Commodore 64 to the personal computer building them uh, all the way fast forward to still doing a lot of the, a lot of the same things. We'll still custom build out. We actually have a client right now that uh, we're getting ready to build a new video management software system for them. So we're, we just order all the parts, build them a custom server to drop in for their cameras. And so just 
everything from that, uh, you name it. We uh, That's why we put consulting in the name was just because we have between the services we offer, so everything from data cabling to uh, your basic internet to voice over IP phones to cameras. Um, also, then there's a lot of things where we get asked by people, hey, do you do this also? And um, and a lot of it, some we do, some we don't, uh, but we know someone who does. A lot of times, we, there's a lot of people we partner with. We just did a job today right before we came out here, actually, we're finishing one up where the company's doing IP phones for them, which, which we can do. It's one of the things mm-hmm. we do. But I'm also not afraid to partner with someone else who does it. So this company right. is a it's a big IT firm. They work with a lot of IT companies, um, and they have a lot of large clients. And so uh, this one, uh, he has the phones. He's providing for the customer. Um, and we find this with a lot of IT companies. They don't want to actually pull cable, right? Um, they want to do the IT side of it, the programming side, but they don't want right. to do the physical side of running the running the data lines. And and so that's where it was for him. So he called me and he said, "Hey, I got the phones from. Will you do this and finish the job out?" So that's what we're doing today. You know, we're partnering with another IT company that they were taking care of the phones for the customer. Uh, and that's another area where I think a lot of businesses miss it. Like you, you look at other people doing the same thing as you as competition. Um, and really, um, I mean, I guess if you get down to rest tax, you are competition. But do you have to be? Right. Uh, I think I think there's so many times businesses in your same genre can complement what you're doing, and we're missing that opportunity because we write them off as purely competition. Um, when we can look at that, and a lot of times we can partner. Uh, mm-hmm. I can help in an area. Yeah, we do some of the same things, but I can help you in those areas where you don't do this. But then there may be, you know, if I have a client that wants a 50 or 100 phone install, that's a little bit more than I want to, it's not even more than I want to manage, it's just the the install. I might say, hey, you have the manpower to do that. How about we'll take care of the cabling part, you do this. And there's so many areas where we can trade off, get customers taken care of, probably give people a better product because you have more minds involved in it. Um, and I think we've missed that a lot. We write that off because we're just afraid of the competition. I know a big concern right now for a lot of businesses or, or uh, individuals for that matter is just, security when it comes to your yeah. your computers and your information and ransomware and all those terms and talk a little bit about what you, what you guys do on that side of things yeah so security big one um you know i usually start out all my conversation with security people with okay like let's just be honest and transparent about it right like if if kmart and target can get hacked There's no, uh, right. you can too so mm-hmm. like we can do a lot of things and put things in place and identify problems and, and try to mitigate those. But at the end of the day, um, there's, there's just a lot of vulnerabilities and they're constantly changing, especially now in a world where software is updating faster than ever. Um, even just the updates on your iPhones happen so fast now. And so there's no way to really like people that are even the places that like a target that gets hit. They have so many people full time. They're, mo- they're monitoring everything to the nth degree to where your, your average business doesn't even have log files that they're tracking and looking at to see how many times things are being accessed and things. They're watching this stuff all the time and they're still they're still getting breached. They're obviously a lot larger target too. However, what we're finding, what I would say, and especially in the last six months to a year, what we're finding with a lot of data breaches and a lot of things like that. Um, the biggest threat is your employees and not current ones maybe, but ones who Mm -hmm. have moved on and those credentials that they had for access to your system were not closed out properly. They were left open, exposed. Um, And that has been, there's been several big name companies. One of them is a company that provides access points, switches. They do a lot of networking products. We use them for a a lot of our products and uh, and they had a major breach and it all came from a previous employee when they tracked it all down. Um, So that actually caused us to react to that situation. Um, That company provides what they call um, a cloud key. We put it in a customer's place. It allows us to manage 
all of their network equipment from that location, but also manage it remotely, which is a huge advantage because they can call us and say, hey, we want, and, and there's ways to do it in the past. You, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to get in the back door with uh, VPNs and VLANs and uh, but just kind of simplifies all that right. for the average customer, especially trying to keep costs on. It's a quick way to set it up. And so we had to look at this data breach they had and go, okay, they had an employee who stepped out and caused a major data breach. We have all these customers that sit on their servers. Uh, is that an issue for them? And I think there was a couple identified. We were able to fix thing, it, not fix problems, but fix passwords, other things, make sure we caught it ahead of the pass. Uh, but then we looked at it and said, okay, could this happen again? How big of a risk is this? As we continue to add customers to this, would we like better control over the security of this? And not that we have better security than this company, but if we only have 50 accounts, 100 accounts, 200 accounts, can we keep a better on that, on that than they, they have millions? Right. Um, and so we ended up, our reaction to that for our customers was we ended up building a server in-house. Now, instead of them having cloud keys on site, all that stuff points back to our main office. Uh, we're able to make daily backups of that. If there's a breach, we can get it back up within minutes. Um, and so and so we just pulled that back in-house and said, okay, I think we can do a little bit better stewardship of this if we have it in-house. Uh, and there's other things that you can't. Like, we just have to – so you pick and choose. But a lot of it is knowing your software, knowing the provider, knowing what the risks are. And as far as, like, going into the company, the first thing we try to do is identify the obvious because there's always – there's always some big glaring obvious ones, especially when you're dealing with a small to medium-sized business who, uh, and we get it, right? Like your every penny counts. Um, and so you're really trying to just hold things off unless if there's a problem, we're gonna fix it. I call it the break-fix model, right? So uh, you, can, you can be proactive or you can do the break-fix model. Most small to medium-sized businesses they will do the break fix model right. and and it's good because they save money bad because when things happen it's bad right um if you weren't backing things yeah, up or, those companies right. are the easiest one to identify weaknesses because we can get in there and find some pretty quickly there's a, a business right down the road here and we got it there and we we're just like shocked we're like holy cow you have some major issues you know there's another museum that we're doing some work for and they they ordered these touch screens with great intentions so that people can come in and learn more about through the museum, through interacting with this touchscreen. Uh, the company did a poor job kind of coaching them up like, hey, there's going to be some additional software you're going to need. Um, so they just tried to get it going themselves. They ended up just like, okay, well, it's it's Android is what the touchscreen is built off of. Like, we're just going to go and sign it, force you to sign into your Gmail account or right, your Google account. So they signed into their Google account. The head right. of the museum signed into the Google account. Okay, well, it's up. It's working now. We'll throw this stuff up. And then I came in to look at it for them. And because they had gotten a price back on getting everything working, like, we can't afford this. Is there anything you can do? I said, we'll come take a look at it, see what we can do to help out the community. And uh, we got in there and like three clicks of a button. And I was in the director email. <laughs> I was like, I think we found like this, <laughs> this is a problem. This is an easy one, right? Like right. this shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, but And that's the thing. So you have your smaller to medium-sized business. A lot of times they have very easy, very inexpensive fixes right. that are huge security risk and like they can be fixed in minutes. Um, and so that's the thing I always caution people on. I was like, hey, it's worth it's worth it as a small business to spend a little bit of money to make sure you have your glaring errors right. And then from there, you can work it out and build it. A lot of it depends on how much you do. So many people do so much stuff in the cloud now, it really comes down to your, especially if you're using Office 365 or Google Suites for everything. It comes down to your passwords, your, your policies, procedures of that, but it's finding those glaring errors like that that are just hanging out there right. you want to deal with. I, I want to talk coffee with you, but before we do, there's a lot of small business owners that watch the show. Yeah. Just uh, how can they get a hold of Tech River Consulting if, if they yeah. want to touch so, base with you and even just get some peace of mind? Yeah. TechRiverIT.com is our website. 
Uh, phone number is 618-474-8701. Uh, that rings the office. And uh, a lot of times I'll be the one to pick that up. Uh, if we don't answer it, we'll get right back with you. Our goal is to get back with everybody within 24 hours. Uh, but yeah, we would, the reason we called it consulting uh, twofold, one is a lot of times um, we get in and like I said, there's maybe it doesn't fit all of our areas of expertise, but we can bring in other people to partner with us so that you don't have to reach out to multiple companies to get something done, almost like we can contract it out. Um, the other is too, we'd be happy to come in sit down with companies, look at what they have existing and then and coach them up from there. Um, our big thing, like I said, we want to build a relationship with customers. So if there's a way that we can, we've had several customers recently where they thought they were just going to have to throw in the towel and start over from scratch. It's like, well, let's look at it. Um, one was a motocross track, and we got out there and we're like, hey, look, actually, your equipment's fine. Right. We just need to tweak a few things and do this, and then we can get back up going for you. Saved them a ton of money. Um, another one was uh, was another restaurant um, in Godfrey, and they had a camera system. And they he, they were so frustrated with it, like, just get it out of here, get us a new one. And I was like, okay, well. And so it took a little walking through. I was like, actually, this is a pretty decent camera system we have. I think we just need to dial it back. Let's step back. Let's let's right. make some tweaks to things. And so we're in the process of taking care of that for them right now. And so just helping people where, like, it doesn't, doesn't always have to be replaced. It doesn't always have to be a, a bank breaker. A lot of times we can get in there, take a look at it for people, coach them up, and help get them in the right direction and, and make it a cost-effective, affordable. Uh, so yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to just have a conversation, even if it's just over lunch, tell you what we can what we can offer up. And and the big thing that I pride our company on, if we can't take care of it for you, I'm happy to help you find somebody who can. So I can personally vouch for Keith. Unfortunately, a lot of times we've done the break and fix model. Yep. Oh, it's and, very uh, common. <laughs> <laughs> and Keith is fixed. I break, he fixes. So it, it's worked well. And, and we hadn't talked in a while. And then uh, got together a couple of weeks ago and, yeah. and you started telling me about this new coffee venture that you've got. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Piasaw Coffee. You got yeah. the shirt on the day. So. Yeah. So um, I don't know if we're just uh, extreme entrepreneurs or crazy, but uh, so same, same partner. Not a lot of difference. There, <laughs> not really. a lot of difference. <laughs> My wife will tell you it's crazy. Um, so I, I'm just kidding, but it does. Um, starting two businesses in the same year probably wasn't the most thought out process I had. Um, but I do have, I have a need to just stay busy and, um, and so, keep my, keep my mind busy. Six kids, six uh, kids, two businesses. We <laughs> sold our house. We, we couldn't find another, we looked for a little bit bigger to accommodate the six kids and we wound up in a rental and you know, when you have your own house, there's no shortage of projects or you can create your own. Like, Hey, let's just redo this room or this right. bathroom. Yeah. And so with a rental, I'm like, my hands are tied. Like I can't, I can't do anything. And so um, it's literally what my wife told me. She's like, you know, you didn't have projects on the house, so you started a coffee company. I was like, You're probably <laughs> that's right. kind of how it happened. Uh, right? So uh. it really is. So I've been roasting coffee for about three years. I love coffee. Um, always have. I mean, who? Well, there's people that don't like coffee, but most of, most of them probably been ruined by by bad coffee experiences. Right. That's why they did. So that's yeah, they didn't try I'll help you out if you've had a bad yeah. coffee experience. Let me know. We'll get together, and uh, we'll do we'll do coffee and business, and that's, see how that goes. Yeah. So. Um, so I've been roasting coffee though for three years, but I've loved coffee my whole life. My I started drinking my grandpa when I was a kid, and then um, in my twenties, I had a friend who lived in Chesterfield. He had a roaster, and his whole thing was he actually had a detached two car garage in Chesterfield. He would roast the coffee, and he had a lot of businesses signed up in Chesterfield. And his thing was, I'll roast it, I'll have it delivered to your business within twenty four hours of roasting for you to grind and serve to your customers. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how he made his business. Some of the best coffee I ever had was from him. And um, so fast forward, we kind of lost touch and he shut the coffee business down. And years later, I'm chasing like, how do I get a good cup of coffee? And um, 
so I, I bump into this guy. His father-in-law is a missionary in Peru. And so big coffee area. And uh, he's riding along with a coffee farmer one day. And he's like, hey, my son-in-law loves coffee. What's the best thing I can use to brew it with? And um, this is AeroPress, which now you can buy them at Target. Uh, back then, I don't think he worked for the video department at John Hagee Ministries, and now he actually lives in Africa, and he's he's a wow. missionary over there too. Uh, but at the time, I'd, I'd had him in as a guest speaker at our church, and so we're just talking. He's like, "Dude, you got to get this AeroPress." My my dad, my father in law, found out about it. You got to try it. So I order one line. I get it. it. There's nothing to it. I mean, there's no. You don't plug anything in. You put the grounds in there. You put hot water in. You press it through. Best cup of coffee I've had in a while. And so, so, so then it just kind of reignited my passion for like I'm gonna find good coffee. And so I found a brewer. And I tried this coffee, that coffee, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna give a plug to a company that doesn't even know me. Uh, <laughs> but there's a coffee roaster in Belleville called Balance Coffee, and um, they opened up in Belleville. I heard about them. And heard they had a roaster inside. It was fresh roasted coffee. So I stopped in to check them out. I grabbed a bag, date stamped on it. It's like three days old. Um, I took it home. And for like the first week, I'm like, this is the, this is the best coffee I've had in a while. It reminds me of the coffee from Chesterfield. And um, But then I noticed like, okay, like as it aged, a couple weeks later, uh, I was like, oh, it's like there's... And so I started doing a ton of research and found out there's a, there's a big... Um, there's a big time marker on coffee. Like once it's roasted, you got 24 hours really till you can drink it from the time you've roasted it for the flavors to fully develop. <laughs> once that process starts, it's like the sweet spot. You got about 14 days. Um, and then after that, there's a significant amount of flavor loss. If you grind it, it's even fast, faster right. than that, right? Um, so that just started me on this big YouTube rabbit trail, right? So <laughs> I'm down the bunny hole and uh, I'm looking into it and I find it like, oh, you can roast coffee in a freaking air pop popcorn popper. So I'm at a thrift store trying to find one of those. And then uh, you got to rewire the whole thing. So I'm Frankenstein in it. And so I'm, but, and it's great. Like it worked. I was like, this is really good coffee, but you can roast like three ounces at a time. So like enough for a cup or two. So, so here I am. Yeah. You're my, I, I drove my wife nuts. So here I am on our back porch is blowing pieces everywhere because there's these little skins that come off the beans called chaff when you're rusting and and i'm sitting there having to do batch after batch just to have enough for a couple days and so that wound into me buying like okay well i fly by rotisserie like so (laughs) what if i get a get so like just kept these iterations of a little bit larger roaster for home roasting and then finally getting a commercial style roaster um and still like at that point it was a hobby though it was just something to i'm always looking for something that's like I was talking to my cousin about this this morning. He owns multiple businesses and, and was doing something for him. And and, and we, him and I were both talking about like Sometimes you just need something. It's not necessarily mindless work, uh, but it's mindless enough that it takes your mind yes. off your real work. Right. That's just a distraction. And so that was the coffee. Of course, now it's become a business. But um, So that was what the coffee was for me. It was like I just – it allowed me to unplug from my day-to-day and focus on something different and just dive into it. So I did that. So so it was about three or four years ago now. I started down that process, ended up with a commercial roaster, but still was using a commercial roaster just for like coffee for myself. I give bags to my family and like put fun names on them and make it up and have fun with it. Um, Mill Pond Brewing and Millstot was really the launching point for me. Um, he had a stout beer, wanted to put our coffee in it. And he said, hey, can you get it for me? I was like, yeah, no problem. And so we worked. There's actually a coffee shop across the street. We worked with them. They cold brewed my coffee and then he put it into the beer form and then he started he started probing me the owner brian schubert he's a great guy his dad was an entrepreneur on schubert meat market and then he's been an entrepreneur and started mill pond brewing and he just said hey when are you gonna get me bags of coffee to sell i was like that's really not where i'm going like i just want to it's just kind of my hobby like just back off and and then uh he said well like you know can you 
can you give me a couple bags to sell? Like we had this conversation several times. So finally I said, okay, we'll, we'll try it. And actually Piasol was not the original name of the company. It was a different name that we went under and sold some bags there with him. Um, and then when we, when we got the roaster up here established, I wanted something that kind of tied into the Alton area. Uh, he's actually the only place down south selling it. Most of it's up here in the Alton area. So I wanted something kind of meaningful to the area. So we kind of, we found the name, came up with it and, uh, what an ugly bird. And I'm sorry if I've had some people there, but I was like looking at this thing. I'm like, I love the name. I don't know what to do for a logo. Right, yeah. And so we went through this process, kind of kept making something that resembled it enough. You knew what it was, but a little bit right. easier on the eyes. Than the, cool. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been an adventure and growing. And yeah, we're, sorry, I'm cutting you off. That's here, all right. No, I was just, we're about that time. The, the Piasol coffee is kind of in the initial stages. We'll have to get you back yeah, on and talk absolutely. more about it as it continues to develop. But uh, Tech River Consulting and on the IT side, definitely where you need to go to uh, take care of uh, any IT uh, issues that you might have. So Keith, thanks so much for, for joining us. On yeah, Business Over Burger. happy to. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it's come again. Absolutely.